0: What I want to do this morning is I just really want to look at this last phrase. We overflow the reality of his kingdom in our daily lives. There's a quote by C.S. Lewis I absolutely love. And he says, we always praise what we enjoy. We always praise what we enjoy. It's really natural to praise what we enjoy. For example, you, you go to a brand new restaurant... And how many of you have done this? You tell everybody about the restaurant. You tell everybody about the the, the decor of it. You tell everybody about the menu. You tell everybody about what you ate. It's like the restaurant experience isn't quite complete until you've praised it to absolutely everyone. I love music, and for me, the experience of a new band or a new CD is not complete until everybody has to know that I bought... This album, and it's the greatest electronic <coughs> album that has ever been recorded, or a film you see, you talk about, it, you say, "Wow, you never guess the ending. there's a real twist. I won't give it away, but you've got to see this film." We always talk about what we enjoy. That you and I are announcers of life. You know, we've, if we find a route that's quicker, Amen. we praise it and tell everybody. If we buy a car that is really economical or has some features, we praise it and tell everybody. We're doing this all the time. People do that on Monday morning at work. What did you do this weekend? We're we're announcers of life and the experience is not yet filled until we have overflowed and told everybody about it. So when we write, we want to overflow the reality of his kingdom in our daily lives, our mission is to be about Jesus the way we are about a new recipe. The way we are about everything else of life. That our personal enjoyment of him and our experience of him and his rule, his kingdom, is so beautiful to us that we're enjoying it so much that we just want to tell everyone about him. And that it's not a thing that we're now doing. So that that statement is not now telling you well, we're adding another thing on your plate. Here's another expectation we've got. Now you've got to overflow. <laughs> you know, there's a work for you to do. You've got to overflow. No, actually we want to be enjoyers of of God lovers of him and his presence so that we naturally speak about him the way we do about a new book we've read a play that we've seen a film that we've gone to a restaurant that we've enjoyed a dish that we've just cooked that we just just And actually we're announcers of him because we're enjoying him so that's what that means we overflow the reality of his kingdom his kingdom can really best be described as his rule, the reign of the king. Now, Jesus and Paul sometimes kind of refer to the kingdom as a place, but most of all it's understood as the rule and reign of a person. So the kingdom is not like the united kingdom, a place you go to. It's a person you meet. It's the rule, the domain of a king. And so to announce and to overflow the kingdom is to go everywhere and say, I have found a person ...who has so transformed my heart... ...I've got to tell you about him... ...and I want you to experience his rule... ...and his reign for yourself. Do you remember like the woman at the well? I met a man who told me everything I've ever done. Do you remember? Jesus meets her at the well... ...tells her about her whole life... ...she encounters God... ...she goes back and tells the story... And then Jesus stays with them and then they say, now we believe, not because of, just because of your testimony, but because we have in effect tasted and seen ourselves. In Isaiah 52 verse 7, we get Isaiah talking excitedly about somebody who's living this overflowing life. And the verse says, how lovely... On the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Good news announcing peace. Proclaiming news of happiness. We might be asking, what is this good news, Isaiah? What's this beautiful good news? Why is this news that this person is announcing bringing happiness? And then he goes on to say... Our God reigns, our God reigns. That the kingdom of God, the fact the king rules, the fact the king reigns, is actually good news to the earth. So he's saying that this beautiful good news is coming out and is good news of happiness. It's good news because it's an announcement that God rules, (coughs) God reigns and that God is king that Jesus is king. That's why it's good news. But it's only good news, really, if we know what kind of king the king is. That Isaiah is saying it's good news, God reigns, God reigns, because he has at least the beginning of a revelation of the goodness of the king and the goodness of his rule and the goodness of his reign the full manifestation of what does the kingdom of god look like or what does the rule of the king look like was actually found in jesus so if we want to know why it's good news that god reigns we need to look at what happened when god became flesh when the the one who is the very substance of god comes to earth in the incarnation where god who who Jesus fully God and fully man comes to demonstrate the rule and the reign of the king. So if we want to know what kind of king God is and why it's good news, we need to look at the life of Jesus and what he did. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Acts 10.38, we get Luke telling us an insight into what Jesus did and what Jesus established and what happened when Jesus walked the earth. So in Acts 10.38 we read it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. that Jesus demonstrated what the rule of the king is like and why the rule of the king is good news through what he said and through what he did. So Isaiah looking ahead and saying I've got good news of happiness that God reigns, God reigns. The full disclosure, the full manifestation of the goodness of God is then seen In Jesus, who went around doing good. In other words, this is good news. Because when this king, Jesus, touched anything, he changed it for good. Because his very nature is goodness and love. So when he came to situations and touched that situation, his world, heaven, touched this world Something changed and it always changed for the better. And that's why Isaiah is saying it's good news. God reigns. God reigns because he is a king who does good. He is a king who does good. Because we can see in the earth there are different types of kings, aren't there? There are cruel kings. There are kings who use their power just to uh, increase their authority and to increase their, their rule and to intimidate people we can see that sometimes there are fickle kings, one day they're in a good mood one day they're in a bad mood sometimes we can see kings in the earth who bring a rule but it's not necessarily bringing good Amen. and Jesus always did good he went around doing good and the writer there says and healing the sick and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil so, one of the ways that we see the manifestation of the rule of God and the manifestation of the goodness of God is that seen in the fact that Jesus healed the sick. That Jesus went around from village to village and town to town and he overcame physical misery. Amen. That's why people would come to him because they would bring their sick that they would bring them because they knew that Jesus went around doing good and he had the power and the authority as king to heal people. Maybe they didn't understand fully that he's the God-man, but at least they understood that when he came to a village... He could do stuff and things would change. And so you see the woman who'd been um, struggling with the issue of blood for 12 years and spent all of her money on doctors. She hears that Jesus is in town. She presses through the crowd to touch him. Jesus stops and says, power's gone from me. She's healed. See, when Jesus came, there was this great euphoria because here's somebody who can do something about our physical misery. They didn't understand that he was going to be the suffering servant, the servant who would go to the cross. But what they understood was he's going around doing good and things are changing when we get near him. That's why the three friends lower their friend through, some commentators say through Jesus' roof when he's crippled to get a touch from Jesus and they lower him. And do you remember Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, something only God could say, which is why the Pharisees said it was blasphemy. There's Jesus giving a clue that he's the God man. And then he says, what's harder for me to forgive sins or to heal this man? He says, you know, get up and he's healed. So whenever Jesus was around, people would get a breakthrough on their physical condition. So if you want to turn to Matthew um, 4.23... Says Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom—that's that good news thing—and healing every disease and illness among the people. Every disease, or some some translates every disease, every infirmity. So this is what Jesus was doing. It was something you might say it's his bread and butter. You know, this is what Jesus did on a normal day. He went to a place. He healed the sick, he said the kingdom of God has come to you, it's good news. I'm a king who has power and authority to bring change to physical infirmity. That's why Isaiah is saying it's good news and happy are the feet who tell you about this good news. Because there is a king, and an incoming king, who will go around doing good and he will heal every sickness and every infirmity. Amen. And that he's a wonderful king so he's good, but he also has power and authority. The last thing you need is just a good king who's very sympathetic and says there, 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 but has no power or authority. You also don't want a king who just makes amazing announcements about a theoretical kingdom, but then doesn't do anything. Jesus is neither. He was clear about his mission. He was clear about why he had come to earth. And he was clear that he had come to, to reveal the Father. And he had come to go to the cross to pay for our sins, to die our death. And he was clear that he had authority to do stuff about the very things that people struggled with and suffered with. So he's a wonderful, wonderful king. Another way that he... Demonstrated the kingdom and the good news of the kingdom was that Jesus um, overcame demonic oppression and torment and brought freedom to people. That Jesus went around physically healing and he also went around um, emotionally healing and spiritually healing and setting people free <coughs> from torment. And Jesus says in, in, again in Matthew um, chapter 12 and verse 28... if I drive out, he's been accused actually of, the Pharisees are saying, look, you're, you're driving out spirits by the demonic. I mean, Jesus was accused of foul things. But obviously that was not true. He said, if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, for whom do your people drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come among you. So a demonstration of what his kingdom is like. having have an answer to torment and misery caused by the, the, the reality of the demonic and the spiritual realm. That Jesus had authority to announce freedom, to bring freedom, to, to not just say something and talk about it, but to do something about it and bring radical freedom to people. If you remember when Jesus got baptised and the Father says this is my son whom I love and with him I'm well pleased. And then the Spirit, the Holy Spirit took him into the desert where he was Um, Tempted for 40 days. And then he came out in the power of the Spirit. And when he came out, it says in Luke 4.18, Jesus makes this announcement in Luke 4.18. This is Jesus saying, this is what I'm going to do in the earth. This is Jesus' mission statement. This is what I'm going to be doing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's talking about himself. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news again that good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour Amen so he went around doing good healing the sick and setting the oppressed free and, and proclaiming freedom for the prisoners This is this is why it's good. This is why his eyes make beautiful feet, announcing good news, good news of happiness. Because God reigns, God reigns. There's one who's got authority over sickness, and there's one who's got authority over the things that oppress people, bind people, imprison people, and set and cause people to be captive and prisoner. And so he's announcing at the start of his ministry, captives can be set free, and prisoners can be released. So we can become captive. And we become a prisoner by believing lies about who God is and what God's like. We can become captive to... um, religious torment by believing that the king is cruel or the king is fickle or the king is hard to please or or, or the king is never pleased or the king is changeable or grumpy and you have to do certain things to keep him on your good side. That can be a lie that can cause oppression which leads to legalism and religiosity. And the kingdom comes to set people free from that by bringing a revelation of truth and a revelation of his reality. So he came to set... The oppressed free, delivering them from lies and saying, I'm going to give you a full disclosure, this is what God is like. He's compassionate, he's kind, he's gentle, he brings a breakthrough for those who have been captive by lies. Who believe lies about God, lies about themselves, lies about the circumstances, lies about one another. That the kingdom comes and brings, Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free that word truth can also be translated reality. You will know the reality of what I am like, and the revelation of the reality of what I am like will bring you freedom. So Jesus went around revealing what the Father is like, how the Father treats people, how the Father has compassion on the sick, what, what the Father is like to those who are on the outside, the oppressed, the leper, the one who doesn't fit the system. And Jesus went around releasing captives and setting them free. And he also came to those who were imprisoned. You know that we can become imprisoned through unforgiveness. It can imprison us, it can lead us to a place of torment. Do do you remember the story about the man who was forgiven a huge debt and then he refused to forgive someone of a smaller debt? And it says he was taken away and tormented. It's like the place of unforgiveness leads us to a place of torment. Like Joyce Meyer says, Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and believing it's going to hurt your enemy. That's what unforgiveness is. you know. And we meditate on it, mull over it. And the kingdom comes and reveals a king who is so generous in his forgiveness of our debt, he brings us into a kingdom where we choose to forgive other people. Another way people say you can actually open the door to torment and become a prisoner is through self-pity. Amen. And the kingdom comes to those of us who struggle with unforgiveness, those of us who struggle with self-pity, and the kingdom comes and brings The gift of repentance. Repentance isn't an ugly word. It's not necessarily crying for 10 hours and beating yourself up and calling that repentance. I love what somebody said. They said that we get into the kingdom and often our repentance, our saying sorry, our turning around, our changing our mind was accompanied by tears because we were recognising that we had sinned greatly against a great king and we were very, very very deeply sorry. Then, for the rest of our Christian lives, we only understand that repentance is sorrow and crying. Now, it can be, but repentance can also be laughing and joy and great pleasure. As the king says, there's a door open for you, you just need to change your mind and forgive, you just need to turn away from self-pity, Change your mind about that and give yourself the gratitude and thanksgiving and recognition of what God has done. And there can be great joy in that too. And so Jesus went around doing good, healing the sick and setting captives free and prisoners free by bringing the reality of his kingdom. It's the kindness of the king that leads us to change our mind. Sometimes people think, I don't want to change my mind about that, I love that sin, I love that unforgiveness, I love that self-pity, I want to carry on believing that lie about, I don't know, how I see myself or um, uh, being down on yourself and tough on yourself. But actually it's the kindness of the king who leads us to change our mind. That's the kind of king he is. And that's why Isaiah said, I've got good news of happiness. God reigns, God reigns. And what's his reign like? It's kindness. Amen. It's kindness that leads us to repent and come out of captivity and come out of prison. It's not the killjoy God who says you can't, you can't, you can't. It's the God who says find out how to please me. Find out about my kindness. And my kindness will cause you to let go of everything that holds you back, imprisons you, and leaves you feeling captive. So in conclusion, the life that we've always wanted, the freedom that we've always longed for, the liberty that you've always craved, The peace, that inner world that's free from irritation, agitation and frustration. That love you've always wanted to experience, that love you've always wanted to give, that gentleness you've always wanted to know and display, is only available in the rule and reign of this king. Isaiah says, I've got good news of happiness for you. God reigns, God reigns, God reigns. And so you can see what kind of king he is. He's, he's a good king. When he touches our lives, he always brings goodness. He's a good king. He has mercy on our physical affliction. He's a good king. He understands we're but dust and comes <coughs> mercifully to release the prisoner and set the captive free. He's a good king. The life you've always wanted is only available in the rule and reign of this king. Amen. It, Amen. He, he, he cannot be... He cannot be one of the things we do it can't be that i've got my life and i've got jesus who i say i believe in and every now and then i refer to him and every now and then i do a religious duty or every now and then i do something for him he comes as king and i think one of the struggles on planet earth is one of the lies that's been sown is that he's not a good king That is a restrictive king, that is a punishing king, that is not a kind king. And so people run away and they hold their stuff close to them because they don't want the king to get near them because if the king gets near, he might take away their joy. Now, actually, freedom is only found in the kingdom of God. It is for freedom that Christ sets us free. The whole thing of the kingdom is where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. And so the kingdom of God is not this list of rules of do's and do not's. It's this expansive space where we get to live with the king and find out what pleases the king. The life you've always wanted only is available as you come to Christ and say, I want you, I want you to be God. I want you to rule and to reign. I want you to have your free reign in my life. You see, it's his loving If you look at Galatians 5, you look at the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is not a job description of us, of traits to work on. It's actually a description in a summary form of the very nature of God. It's not a list of to-dos. You know, this year I'm working on peace. I might work on patience in the new year. I, I might work on joy later on. It says, walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, sow to the Spirit, have a relationship with Holy Spirit, he will rub off on you, and then the very traits of a loving, kind, faithful, gentle king will rub off on you. Amen. So it's actually his kindness, his gentleness, his faithfulness, his goodness, his love, his joy. Somebody once said, a joyful God sometimes messes up our theology. <laughs> He's so full of joy. Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness above his companions. It says in Psalm 2 that God laughed at what his enemies were saying and God laughed at what his enemies were planning. He absolutely loves you. You bring him so much pleasure. And so his kindness, his love, his gentleness, his compassion causes us to have a willing surrender and submission to the king. It causes us to have a childlike dependence on the king. So that our cry becomes a willing cry. Your will be done in my heart as it is in heaven. That's where we're we're going. Where we we, we see him and experience his love. Where we say your will be done first in my heart as it is done now in heaven. How do the angels do the will of God? They do it obediently and joyfully. That's what we're saying. I want your will to be done in my heart. As it is in heaven, I want to do what you say, I want to obey your voice, not as some hard, heavy, yoke burden. My burden is easier, my yoke is light, Jesus said. In other words, I'm not a God who crushes you like the religious leaders, who say, do this and don't lift a finger to help you. God opposes that kind of leadership. God's kingly rule and leadership is It's kind, it's light, it's easy and it leads us into a place where we want to obediently and joyfully follow him in every single way that we are. Your kingdom come, Matthew 6, 10. Your will be done in my heart as it is now done in heaven. See, Jesus is the only king who... Gives the verdict before the performance. Every everything else on planet Earth will say perform in a certain way, and then you'll get the verdict. Amen. Muslims will have to do certain things to appease and please in the hope that maybe they'll get the verdict one day that their performance was good enough. Hmm. Other religions, there might be multiple gods, got to please them, got to please them, got to name them, please them, do what's right, sacrifice to them, obey them in the hope that maybe my performance will get a verdict. Good karma. The person who loves the environment may have a standard for themselves. Got to recycle, got to recycle, got to recycle. So that I can have the the verdict, I am a good green person. The gospel gives you the verdict at the beginning, then you get to perform out of the verdict. So we come in through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we come in and we've done nothing. We've been gifted the gift of ability to believe That when he died, he died for me, as me, as my substitute. When he was punished, he took my punishment. Hmm. When his blood was shed, my conscience got cleansed. And all we've done is receive a gift. That's all we've done. Hmm. A gift of faith to believe that what he did for us, on behalf of us, gets us the verdict Hmm. of not guilty, become a son and daughter, All your shame is gone. All your blemish has been covered. You are now spotless. At the beginning. You get their verdict. And then out of that. Wow. I'm loved more than all the treasure in the earth. He loves me. And calls me his son. And says I'm well pleased with you. I remember saying that to a friend. I've just become a Christian. And and I said to him I've not done anything yet. Funny. i a Christian one week and was already understanding legalism. No, he said, no, you don't have to do anything. Don't you get it? You come in and you're accepted from day one. You don't have to overflow the kingdom. You don't have to do anything to be accepted. You get accepted on day one. Then the performance comes out of the love, tenderness and acceptance of God. So now, out of love, I say, yet yeah, your will be done in my heart as it's done in heaven. I want to joyfully, obediently follow you and do what pleases you, not to get a verdict. Because so I've got a verdict. Amen. That court is adjourned. Not guilty. Amen. Go free. Penalty paid. You come right in. Now I'm saying I want to obey you joyfully like the angels do because I've already got the verdict. I'm a son. I've got nothing to prove. Nothing to earn. Now trouble is, is we sometimes put ourselves back into the courtroom on a daily basis where the prosecution will say, oh, bad egg. Saw that conversation, saw that thought, saw what you watched. And then the defence will say, not really that bad. Didn't you see, your honour, the way that they read the Bible? And, and this overflowing bit, they want to do it. And then the prosecution says, Not very consistently, though, is it, my Lord? <laughs> Surely it's not enough to be not guilty just to overflow and share the kingdom once a year. But at least it's once a year, says the defence. Now you come out of that court case because that's been adjourned. What are you doing in that court? Jesus was tried on your behalf and it was, a, it was an illegal court case and where they spat at him, slapped him, and accused him of all foul things that were nothing to do with him. That was. The court is gone. And Jesus took the punishment. Now that court doesn't even exist for the believer. And so the kingdom is <laughs> good news, isn't it? Yeah. We're free. Yeah. We're free. Yeah. So the kingdom works in us first, and then it works through us. Too many times we're thinking, I've got to do the works of the kingdom. I've got to perform for the kingdom. And we can see this and say, oh, this is just a new set of performance. No, it works in as a revelation of the gospel, of Jesus, his goodness and his rule. And then it will work through us. The kingdom starts as a mustard seed in our heart and then grows. And as it were, it's like yeast in the (coughs) leaven of our heart and and, expands and fills. And so the kingdom grows on the inside and the kingdom brings life and it brings healing, it brings freedom, it brings repentance, it overcomes sadness and brings joy. And then this enjoyment is not complete until everybody knows about it. I've got to tell everybody about what I've found in the same way I've got to tell everybody what I've found about that new film, that new recipe, that new book. It's not complete until everybody hears, I've found a king who loves me just as I am. <laughs> i found a king I don't have to strive and work for and perform, but loves me every morning and calls me beloved and delights in me and loves me more than all the treasure and all the earth and says, oh, you're my son, you're my daughter, I'm well pleased with you. i found that kind of king who breaks into my oppression, who breaks into my captivity, who breaks into my imprisonment, who heals my diseases. And now my enjoyment is not complete until I announce and I demonstrate this kingdom everywhere I go. So that this kingdom grows in our heart, not just as a personal experience, but now is going to become a way that I'm living. That I'm going to overflow the light that, that overcame my darkness and the life that overcame my death. Then the believer begins to overflow the reality mm. of the kingdom that's being growing in their heart. It's not a bolt on. Strap on, new set of works. The kingdom is not something we do for God, it's something Amen. He does in us and then through us. I heard his wonderful quote this week Christianity is not about God. It's too often we think Christianity is saying things about God and doing things for God. Christianity is living your life with God. Amen. And That's Amen. what we've got to pull down. I'm living my life with God. I'm going to overflow this kingdom with God. I'm going to announce it. I'm going to demonstrate it. I'm going to do the works that Jesus did of praying for the sick and and healing the sick and setting the captives free and releasing the prisoner. Because in Christ, that commission is now my commission. The, The Holy Spirit has anointed me to announce good news. Now I am one of those lovely feet on the mountains that brings good news, good news announcing peace, proclaiming good news. God reigns, God reigns, God reigns. Amen. The kingdom works in us and then through us. can bring life where there's death, light where there's darkness, truth where there's lies, His reality where there's hopelessness. And then as it grows in a people, And it grows in our heart. It overcomes wrongdoing. It brings righteousness and abounds in justice. And then it will be like you hear in the the New Testament. Everybody wants a king like Jesus. As we let him love us. As we come under his rule freely and say let your will be done in my heart as it's done in heaven. Let it be done as the angels do it. Everybody wants a king like Jesus. People don't want to necessarily just hear about God or doing or meeting people who are doing things for God. They want to meet people who are living with God, who are living in the same world that they live in, Amen. being impacted by the same struggles that they're struggling with, who overcome doubt, who overcome frustration, who overcome it by his love and his patience and his kindness. They can say, I have had an experience of him let me tell you about her.